Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. guys welcome to the Oklahoma breakdown podcast brought to you guys by sb nation's crimson and cream machine you guys can find us on itunes spotify google play stitcher google podcast pretty much anywhere you guys can get a podcast go ahead and, go ahead and give us a five-star review really appreciate it makes us easier to find and we have a lot of them now a lot of you've been rating the podcast so i'm coming robin nice thank you joined by that voice you just heard jack shields how are you doing jack I'm pretty good, man. I've been sober for ten days. Ten days straight. Ten days. I'm doing a diet. That's two. That is two work weeks. Pretty much, yeah. Hmm. It's 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 different. I feel like I'm thinking a bit clearer, which you know, go figure. But it's kind of nice. Is is there a reason why? It's just a diet thing. It's called Whole Thirty. Like Whole Thirty. You do kind of. It's like clean eating and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, anyway, it's a thirty day deal. It's essentially like a cleanse. Okay. But, Do you feel like you need to be cleansed? I did. I yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was eating almost exclusively off the roller grills at On Cue and Seven Eleven. I for see a nothing bit. wrong with the, that. that it's with delicious, that. but like, uh, yeah, no alcohol. But coincidentally, it ends on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh. So I am gonna get toe up watching my Chiefs dominate whatever poor nfc team no don't get ahead of yourself them. don't get ahead of yourself i feel like i'm okay with getting ahead of myself <laughs> now what i saw on sunday i mean i was ready to you know throw in the towel and be like oh here we go again andy reed blah blah, blah chiefs nope i'm looking forward Brought to it back an a super bowl that's like the titans and uh, who who else is playing for the nfc besides the niners Niners and the Packers. I'm looking forward to a Super Bowl it, it, of the Titans and the Packers where nobody's satisfied who's playing in Super Bowl. Dude, I, w- I would <laughs> love to see Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers, though. That would be That'd a be great intriguing. Super Bowl. It, the, it's like the Packers have been just like buying their time during the season, and now they've decided to play actual football. I mean, yeah, they were I mean, they were 13 and they were good. in the regular season. They were really good. They just kind of ran under the radar the whole time. Their defense is really good. Did that... Did the did that Packer player get the first down or was it a fourth down? I don't think he got it. I don't think he got it either. Jimmy Graham, no, I don't think he got, don't think it. He got it. But either. I kind of get it though, not overturning it because the yellow marker on the field—it's unofficial. It, it was a good half yard ahead of the actual yeah. marker, and you couldn't really see where the actual ball was at yeah. the time. So I get them not overturning it. I understood. I don't think he made it though. I understood pretty much when it happened. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's short. Yeah, but this game's gonna end on a it stands call, like that's exact and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, anyways, today, you guys, we're bringing you guys information about Lincoln Riley, talking about next season that we even mentioned on the last podcast because the last time we actually, me and Jack were together, were about two weeks ago. Yeah, a lot from two. Yeah, two, three, I took a week off last week. It was kind of nice. And then we're gonna talk about top dog returning. The portal being very active for the Sooners, 100% active if you're on the defense, and a couple other things that are of note. But Lincoln Riley is not the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Shocker that he didn't want to work for the Jones family. Wow. And he, he knows the Jones family. Yeah, he doesn't want to work for him. Why would you? Jones wants all the attention. Jerry wants all the attention. He ran Jimmy Johnson out of there for that exact reason. 
And that information, like, came not long after, it was an Odd Shark, some site. It, it, it was Odd Shark and uh, Bet Online AG, which those aren't necessarily the outlets that really are in the know and stuff like that, where you would be like, oh, God, but it was still kind of alarming. Yeah, the Lincoln Riley was even and everybody else yeah. was <laughs> plus 700 or above. At that point, I was like, okay, this isn't necessarily a Vegas knows everything situation. Those are yeah. There are a lot of those, but not necessarily with that outlet. But, um, yeah, I it was still alarming, obviously. because yeah, we, we, like, we kind of looked at each other, and like I had the same thing that you said. I sent you the text, and then you said, Vegas kind of knows what's up or you follow the money and i was that's what i always thought i was like well you follow the paper trail of money typically it'll lead you right to where you need to know right to where you need to be and then of course mike mccarthy had a sleepover at jerry jones house john harbaugh or jim harbaugh style and then i guess became the next head coach of the dallas cowboys there you go i wonder what a sleepover at jerry jones house is like it's probably pretty cool actually do you think like they wore matching pajamas no probably a little bit of illegal activity though i don't know what that means cocaine jerry jones does cocaine coca-cola yep the original coca-cola no he he, no he no he doesn't yes he does he's a rich oil guy yes he he how do you think he has so much energy so (laughs) like when they talk about party i I have heard for a long time that he is a notorious cocaine user. Oh, wow. Maybe not anymore at this age, but he, you know, back in the day and probably not that long ago. Maybe that's... Maybe still. I mean, maybe that... Because like, he looks like a skeleton, but he's still thriving. Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of terrifying to think about. No, this is just a rumor, so don't sue me for slander, Jerry Jones, but... <laughs> that's kind of odd. But let's say, let's say, because people automatically, including myself, I was like, okay... If Lincoln Riley does end up inking with Dallas somehow, even though on the podcast I said, you know, don't worry about it right now, it's not very likely. But if Lincoln Riley were to sign up with an NFL team, who would be on your short list of coaches you might contact? We'll see. Oh, if are you talking about, uh, say that again. So if Lincoln Riley, let's say, did go to Dallas. Okay, if you went to Dallas. For you and me. Who would be on your short list if you're Joe Castiglione? Who would you contact or talk to about maybe your vacancy? I would. I'd go with a young up and comer, an energetic guy like a Satterfield or a PJ Fleck, mm. someone like that. Latrell, he's not quite as hot a name as he was a year ago. Yeah, he was, and then like North Texas kind of took that dip. Yeah, and Justin Fuente also kind of took that dip, right? Well, he had kind of been taking a dip in the years leading up to this year, and he kind of did all right this year and sort of steadied the ship, but then towards the end, obviously, it didn't look that great. But And then now he's rumored to... Uh, Maybe be interested in Baylor. Baylor, yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting. And then, I mean, would you would you entertain an Urban Meyer? No, I wouldn't. Really? No. Why not? Because of the PR hit it would take. And I mean, obviously, I mean, you can't... With his track record... The thing with the uh, Zach Smith situation and him mm-hmm. essentially covering it up. True. You can't allow him to uh, be in charge of young men like that anymore. That's fair. And it's not like it's Art Bryles, who was rumored to take the Missouri State job and ended up being Okay, Petrino. so that whole situation... That was weird. They obviously leaked that out, the Bryles thing. Yeah. I This seems like an always sunny in Philadelphia Frank Reynolds situation, the soften the blow technique. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like where he's like, your mother is dead. And they're like, oh my God, I'm just kidding. But we are getting a divorce. <laughs> we are hiring Bobby Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's that's so true. But it's, everybody came out of the woodworks and was like, oh my gosh, like, oh, you need to kill this team. And then it said, well, Bobby Petrino is actually going to be the coach. And people said, oh my gosh, that, oh, he needs to kill this team. That's way better than Bryles, but still yeah, not good. Course. I mean, it's interesting. And then not long after Mike McCarthy takes the Dallas job, there's a rumor report that, you know, Wazoo, um, they're interested in Alex Grinch. He's on their short list. And then not like a day or two later, it feels like Alex Grinch declines an interview. I kind of get how that wouldn't work for either party because you're transitioning from a different offense. They're not wanting to run the Mike Leach offense anymore, so you're not going to bring in a guy who's never been a head coach to oversee that transition. 
is so being, that makes sense, and you, it would make sense for Alex Grinch not to want to deal with that either. So is being the defensive coordinator at OU a bigger stepping stone than being the head coach at Wazoo? Uh, it, that's a difficult question. A lot of people would say yes, but at the same time, it's not easy to be a defensive coordinator in the Big Twelve and use that as a stepping stone yeah. anymore. Not in I this. Agree. Not in the past ten years. It I mean, been. this past year it'd be one hell. Granted, it, it would be a decent one this year, but like, and obviously he's if he if he continues to improve this defense and gets it to an elite level where Oklahoma could potentially win a national championship and not just make the playoff, then you're talking about maybe being a candidate for a really big gig. But at the mm-hmm. same time, some of the biggest gigs in the country aren't going to hire an assistant coach, right? I mean, granted, Oklahoma did in 1999, but Oklahoma was in a much different situation yeah, in 1999. Yeah, yeah, the Big 12 was in a big si- different situation. And I don't get the idea of the the quote-unquote torn. Like, if you're torn, you go interview, and you have a decision on your hands. You don't decline an interview and just be like, no, I'm good. Like, that's that, that the language there weirded me out to the point where I was like, no, he's not... He's not torn on returning to OU or being the next head coach at Washington State. He simply just isn't going to take that Or maybe job. he was torn for a little bit and then said, nah, I'm good. That's possible. But so going on for next year, Theo Howard is officially in. Ken- uh, Kennedy Brooks is back like we know. Creed Humphrey has announced he's back. Trey Sermon, you still haven't heard anything from him, but the word is that he's likely to return. Today's the 5th, what is it, the 20th where you have to declare? I think you have the, between the 17th and the 20th, Okay. you're good to actually declare. So today's the 15th, of course, tomorrow being the 16th when everybody's listening. So he's basically got till Monday, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so anything could happen, but as of now, it looks like Trey Sermon is likely to be back. And that's one thing I, I recognized during the year, I at the very beginning of the year when Jalen was carrying the ball like 17 to 20 times a game, I was thinking, ooh, that's going to hurt the draft stock of Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, and Trey goes down with an injury, and you're thinking, okay, like he may actually return. And, I mean, as of now, he is. So just having Theo Howard, who's he's not a tall guy. He's like six foot. He seems like he'd be kind of perfect for the uh, slot receiver position at OU. Yeah, because Jaden Hazelwood's going to start. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then Rambo on the other side. And then Wee's getting a lot of reps on the outside as well. And then we still have to wait and see what the official word is on suspensions regarding Bridges. Because Bridges obviously is going to play a role too. But they'll likely get five games because the NCAA violation against drugs, marijuana, cannabis, or whatever. Um Perry and Winfrey, I thought was interesting. His number for this coming year is number eight. I love it. You, There's a zero percent chance that he's not going to pan out to be a badass if he's wearing a single digit number. Yeah, you don't at defensive get tackle. You do not get that number as a defensive lineman Giddy up. unless you're going to be good, and you don't request that number unless you know you're going to be good. So that tells me that Oklahoma knows what they're getting in Perry Winfrey, and I know it's just like. Oh wow! The, really, a jersey number tells you what you're getting, but like Oklahoma knows what they're getting in Perry Winfrey. It's January. We're allowed to say shit like. And this. the fact that he's wearing number eight, I mean, Ronnie Perkins was number seven. So, and like, look how that's working out for him quite well. And so, Perry Winfrey again, they don't give single digit numbers to defensive linemen without you being a good to great player. And so, I'm I'm for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of the Perry and Winfrey stuff. So you get Creed Humphrey, Kennedy Brooks back, Trey Sermon likely to be back, Spencer Rattler, Theo Howard. That offensive line is going to be fantastic in its second year with Creed again anchoring. Maybe Stacey Wilkins coming in and mm-hmm. uh, taking the spot instead of Eric Swenson so out now on the you tackle have, position. You have, yeah, now you have options at yeah. tackle, and guys that were freshmen can have grown up a little bit more. And then you have... Tight ends, unfortunately, unfortunately, Grant Calcaterra won't be there for you, but you have uh, Austin Stogner, Stogner and Braden Willis. Braden Willis, Jalen Conyers, who's an impressive athlete on his own. He, I saw him spike dunk a basketball just the other day. Uh, the guy is an incredible athlete. Like He windmill spike dunked that ball 
in the rim, and I was like, holy crap, that's that is the tight end H back OU was getting. And you don't really see that out of like OU tight ends these days. And Hall has a nice uh, backup at H back now and Mikey Henderson as yeah. well, who Henderson could be Oh god, he's a sweet he's if, someone who could be a flowers type, maybe even better. Yeah, I think he's more athletic than Dimitri yeah. Flowers. He, he's it's impressive. And this offense is gonna be turned loose and people thought, you know, if Lincoln Riley was gonna fib about you know OU's offense taking not taking a dip in 2019, and it actually was true that it didn't. It's not taking a dip at all in 2020. There's no way. Uh, this the players are too good. The system's too good. The lid comes off the offense. Uh, I feel bad for what Missouri State's gonna experience on opening weekend, and it's gonna be interesting. Uh, Tennessee. They get an SEC get game, you know, year, I think week two or week yeah, three. Yeah, week two. Uh, so it'll be really, really interesting. One thing that I really, really, though, am not excited about, I guess not really excited about, but something that kind of sucks is that you have all your Juco guys going to be early. I mean, uh, you only have two. You have three. And uh, you have the defensive lineman, of course. But, man, Justin Harrington... At safety or nickelback, you're not really sure where he's going to play because like, there's a lot of guys. Looks like he's going to be summer now, and that's a bit of a buzzkill. Yeah, because we thought they can have Ellison, Winfrey, and Harrington, all those Juco kids, in the spring, and they can do a lot of work. And then Harrington says, oh, he'll be there for summer, which he's missing out on quite a bit. And when it's a JUCO guy, that obviously raises questions about academics and things like that. Maybe it could be all be okay. Yeah. Maybe it's fine, but with it being a JUCO guy, it's always in the back of your mind, is this going to work out? Yeah. So you still have to stress about that a little bit, and unfortunately. with I mean, it's just things are shaping up for 2020 to be a very good year for the Oklahoma Sooners and forward. But does it does it raise any flags to you or concerns? And we'll, I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but does it raise any concerns to you that – Oklahoma's going so much Juco? Oh, I think it's kind of out of necessity at the certain the particular position they're doing it at because they lost three seniors. It just sort of happened to line up that way. You need immediate contributors at that position, and you didn't really have any in the pipe other than Jordan Kelly, and you need depth yeah. other than Kelly, obviously. And he's and, definitely going to play, and yeah. he's going to be healthy. It's just I've never seen... It's not ideal, obviously, but at the same time, it's understandable, and it might all work out as well. Yeah, I've just never seen an Oklahoma squad like this, or just an Oklahoma squad in general, go so hardcore Juco in a specific position group. Well, the early 2000s, you had Lance Mitchell and Pasha Jackson come in in the same year. Both of them worked out. Yeah, that's... They were very good. Lance Mitchell, those are early teams, man. I remember Pasha Jackson, that UCLA game in early 2000s, and Lance Mitchell... Gosh, Lance Mitchell couldn't really stay healthy that much. Well, yeah, he was great in 2 And mm-hmm. then he tore his ACL, I think it was against Fresno State in 3 and got a medical red shirt. And then yeah. came back in 4 and started again. He wasn't quite as good in 4 but of course. still very good. But anyway, that was a situation in which it seemed to work out. I mean, to be honest, if we were talking about all three of these Juco guys, and we'll talk about another Juco guy that OU is going to go after because of you know other things in recruiting, I would rather Harrington be in Norman in January in of relation course. to in well, in comparison to having, you know, Winfrey and Ellison, I'd rather have him on campus first because out of all the positions in need in the room, you need safety help. Very true. So yeah. badly. And of course. I mean, but at the same time, you have so much so many guys in the defensive secondary that can play in several spots. Like, you're getting Trey Norwood back. People just keep on forgetting about Trey, Trey Norwood. Norwood could play safety, nickel, or corner. And, be, and he was likely going to get significant snaps at nickel this year yeah. before he tore his ACL in camp. And then so you're getting Trey Norwood back. You, you have Trey Brown back, which some people have certain reservations about him. I think he's good. Um, do I think he's elite? No, I think he's kind of small. Yeah, uh, I think he's get, get, he has mismatches against him. But I think he has elite speed that's going to help him out, and especially in year two with Alex Grinch. But you have the Trays, you have Buki coming back, you have Delarian Turner Yell. Unfortunately, he's hurt. You know, he's got collarbone stuff. He'll be up for a while, but he'll be back. You have Pat Fields. 
Um, and you have, you have just a, another bevy of like unproven talent. Robert Barnes, for some reason, I think is sticking around. I don't know if he's going to be a DB or a linebacker. It seemed like almost a foregone conclusion that he would be a linebacker, but... Yeah, I don't even know. Where I mean, where would he fit in that equation at linebacker, though? I mean, would he even earn any playing time? It just... Exactly. It's a weird situation yeah. for him. And even Levi Draper, it's a weird situation for him, too. And that's when we, like, we every day we're hearing about portal, 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 and we'll talk about that soon, but it's just... You know, what are they going to do with all these guys? Um, but, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma is developing depth in the safety position. Like, you see, you saw Jeremiah Cradell post a picture of himself after the season, uh, basically just red shirt, and from him committing on National Signing Day to that picture he posts after the beating they took in the Chick-fil-A Bowl is night and day as far as, like, him having a teenage modern day body to like okay that's a grown man body that okay he needed the year to develop they're like working that. that so he will be likely involved and a couple other guys will be definitely involved and woody washington you know yes. he obviously was thrown into the Gosh. fire against lsu that wasn't his fault i mean he wasn't ready but he will people, be in a year hopefully a lot of people weren't, weren't ready for that yeah and so i mean well i'm really curious to see how it shakes out oklahoma has a lot of options at defensive back that doesn't necessarily mean a lot of those options are fantastic options, but they definitely have options at defensive back, uh, getting new guys in the room, a Juco guy and Justin Harrington, and just some guys that have been banged up on defense. You know, you kill Kelly back on, as a linebacker, which is fantastic because you're losing, you know, Kenneth Murray. And so if you can replace a Kenneth Murray with the experience of a Caleb Kelly and still have Deshaun White and Brian Asamoah, you, you don't feel too bad about it. But if Caleb Kelly is not there, well, then you start to second guess, and then you start to think, "Wow, is Brian Mead really about to start here?" So, like, my question is, when does Oklahoma get away from this idea that Brian Mead, who's a walk-on, <laughs> is not on the two deep? Because you look at Clemson, they don't have walk-ons at linebacker on the two. They deep. don't have a Brian Mead. But you look no at way. LSU, you look at anybody in the highest tier of college football. They don't have walk-ons and they're too deep. But he's assignment sound, Kamiar. <laughs> and it's just like, it blows my mind that Brian Mead got playing time in the college football semifinal. That blows my mind. And like, fantastic. He's an Oklahoma kid, Victory Christian, I think, or one of the Tulsa schools. And it's just like, why? No, put in Brian Asamoa. He played so well at the beginning of the year. He did. But, and I wondered why he they went away from him. And I knew like, it's kind of like March Madness. You play like 10, 11 guys during the year, and then once you get into the playoffs or once you get into March Madness, you suck your lineup up to about eight guys that you can really trust and lean on unless you're just that deep. So it's interesting, but we're about to go to a break. We have several other things to bring you guys. Top Dog returning, which is so exciting for a lot of different reasons. Talking about the portal being active for the Sooners, incoming and outgoing. And just a couple other things on the dock. So we'll be right back in a GIF. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Jack, so the other day on Twitter, the OU men's basketball, or I think it's the OU basketball in general, the OU basketball or athletics account just started tweeting random, like... It basketball looked, account. It just looked like, it looked like there's, like, butt texting or whatever. Some Somebody let their kid have their phone or something, and then they retweeted a, a dog's life, which was like, okay, so definitely a kid is maybe on here, and then... You saw more and more of their likes, and it was like all kinds of things of dogs. And then Joe Castiglione begins a tweet with dog on it, and people are just like, wait, hold, hold on. There's something here. And then it gets found out that Top Dog is making a return to OU basketball. And 
he was he was so needed. Like, why did he leave in the first place? Why, why did he leave in the first place? I have no idea. They were trying to uh, have some sort of uniformity with mascots, so they did Boomer and Sooner because Top Dog wasn't a football mascot. Who cares? I know. It's stupid. But, like, anyway... It was really cool to see him running out of the tunnel and stuff like that, and he had that big ovation and all that. He did the And ears. then you look around, and you see Boomer and Sooner are still there. That's awkward. I know, and it's Jeez. just like, oh, is you're that, still here. That's uncomfortable. Horse pigs. I wish they would just... I, I understand that that would probably upset people within the spirit organizations or right. whatnot because there would be fewer spots for mascots or whatever. But it should just be Top Dog. It, it, it's a buzzkill having bo- all three of them out there. That's awkward. It is awkward. Do you think Top Dog goes to the football games? Or you think no, 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 no. He's no. going to be exclusively he, he, basketball. He's, he's, just, he's always been exclusively basketball. So, But, yeah, he, he comes in, he does I a dive. I guess there was, like, underdog for wrestling or whatever. Yeah. But he, oh, yeah. it's, that's kind of a separate deal. Does a dive on the floor, and then he does... He know, runs into the... Uh, the, the sig- basket. The signature takes the ears yep. and shakes his head like crazy. It has a little red hat on, which I didn't. I'm not very fond of. He had the red hat. I get. I guess back in the 80s yeah, is did. when he had that. Because when I was growing up, he didn't have yeah, the red hat. Same in the 90s. But oh well. I think it looks kind of cool. But whatever. I remember growing up as a kid, and my grandma is such a massive OU fan. And she got me like a little stuffed like Beanie Baby sort of deal, but it wasn't a Beanie Baby, it was Top Dog. Yeah. And of course, you know, on the back had the old OU emblem and then on the front had Top Dog. And um, one of my dogs, who is no longer my Top Dog, found it and thought it was a toy and ripped open Understandable. Top Dog. But uh, man, Top Dog returns and on the night of OUKU... 90% of Lloyd Noble was filled. Um, not sure if that's because KU came to town or if it's because well, everybody it should to have see, been 100% full everybody because KU's to see in town. Dog. There were a lot of empty seats there. But there shouldn't have been that many empty seats for a Kansas game. I would have just come to see. It's, a, it's cheap. B, it, was, just, it is cheap. I would have just gone to see Top Dog. Yeah. But Top um, Dog is back. OU basketball, not so much. Granted, uh, they could improve to 3-2 and two in Big 12 play. With a win against TCU this weekend, which should happen. That Iowa State game baffled me. It, it was weird, but granted, granted, Iowa State is not that good this year, but they were lights out shooting, and OU obviously didn't get it. couldn't I didn't understand get like, a shot. But. OU's going to go to Austin and beat Texas. OU's going to beat other, several other teams that are actually pretty okay teams. Uh, they're going to go ahead and beat Kansas State, who's never really a pushover with Weber over there. They're pretty bad this year. And uh, Bruce Weber always That's away. true, true. Yeah, and they're they're tough. Lawn and K-State is always, always has yeah, something. Yeah, they'll probably still lose in Manhattan Gosh. because that's just how it is. He he won the first time up in Manhattan just to throw yep. us off the scent, but and then he's just, not allowed to win up there. And now I was thinking, oh, if there's any game that you could win – not from home, it should probably be this Iowa State team, and I was so wrong. And that was the night that uh, oh, the Thunder just completely got torn to shreds by the Lakers C team. OU basketball was getting torn to shreds by this Iowa State team. So it was not a good day overall. And just OU- and then the next day, I thought it was like getting, I was like, oh, here we go again. And then the Chiefs were down 24 nothing. Oh, I was yeah, like, oh, this is right. a bad sports weekend for yep, me. And then it yep. turned out to be fantastic. Gosh, 24 hole. Unbelievable. Pretty great. But the thing about OU basketball frustrates me is that your best player is clearly Christian Doolittle. Everybody knows it. He's good. He's a senior. Brady Manick feels like he's been there for forever, and he's still the same player as when he was a freshman. Yeah. Uh, when he's on, he's on, but he's consistently incredibly inconsistent. Uh, Reeves is a little streaky too. The thing is, he'll start out cold and then be great down the stretch of a game. Is how he usually operates, his shot which is kind of nice. But garbage. his shot selection's horrible. It's t- and that's something that like there's there are times where I'm like, dude, you're pretty good, and we need you to be sort of an alpha offensively, but we don't need you to be Allen Iverson. Yeah, sometimes he thinks he's Allen Iverson. And like you, I just look at Lon on the sideline. I'm like, why? You guys coached every day. Why? I know it, and in practice, that you tell them that those shots are not good shots, 
Is this something that's just not getting through their heads, or what is going on here? Because Manic doesn't always take the best shots. You can live with some of his bad I shots. I was fine with his shot selection last night. He just wasn't making any of them. But man, and obviously he was getting bullied by Azubuke, yeah. but that's not even yeah, that's, that's not really that's something a, else. That's, that's that's whatever. That's an OU problem. That's not a player problem. And and just I was Reeves just takes awful shots. And like sometimes they go in and it's like, wow, this kid is incredible. And then other times, especially last night against KU down the stretch, because they had it within four points, and it was a close game the entire game. Granted, KU was missing one of their players, but it was a close game roughly the it, entire for game. For the first 30 minutes, it was a close game. And, like, it, it was a four-point game going down the stretch, and I was thinking, man, OU's going to just... They just need to put the ball and in the just basket. cratered, obviously. They just but. need to put the ball in the basket and stick around to the last minute or two and see what happens because they've been relatively and good they at actually, close games. In the first half, they defended Azubuke yeah. about as well as they could. Doolittle was doing a good job of keeping him as far away from the basket as possible, and it was working, but then obviously the floor fell through. But uh, Yeah, they, they, they couldn't get any shots down the stretch. Uh, they couldn't get anything to go down, and that's just what it was. So... Of course, OU's basketball team, they need a combination of Christian Doolittle and one other guard, whether it be Biennemi, Harmon, or Reeves, to have a good game. And when only Doolittle's having a good game, they're kind of sunk. And they, they, have a ver- they have a variety of guys that can put the ball in the bucket. Just It needs to work out. And I, th- I think that's kind of on the lawn as far as his offensive game planning is... Not always been the best. No. Like, there are several Some, times... I mean, it, the whole let them play freely offensive oh, philosophy... I hate that. It's, sometimes it's great. Yeah. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes you need someone to light a fire under their ass, and Lon just isn't that guy. Sometimes you need a system. Like, with Buddy Heald, Isaiah Cousins, Jordan Woodard, Ryan Spangler, Tayshaun Thomas, you don't need a system. You just let those guys go and do their thing, and they're going to win you a lot of games. But when you have a lot of young guys, when you have, you know, just, you don't have, you have new faces, you need something as far as, other than just like relying on your talent just to go win on offense and play tough defense. And that's where I kind of look at Lon, I'm like, man, like, I'm getting tired of saying the offense has gone cold for four minutes straight, because how, like, it seems like we say this on a lot of games they lose, like, Oklahoma hasn't scored in four minutes. Oklahoma hasn't scored in six minutes. Like, man, that's that's that that's being said about the Oklahoma offense. For it to happen often. this often is yeah. inexcusable. Too often. It's too gonna often. happen to you in college basketball, of but it shouldn't happen this consistently. So that's just my only complaint about it. But And it's not like there is an offensive talent on this team. Oh, correct. There's plenty of mm-hmm. shooting on this team. They're just not making shots or taking good shots. I would agree with that. But um Top dog is back, and that's all that matters. Everything is right in the world on that front. But, man, the portal for the Oklahoma Sooners is very alive for guys entering. It seems like a guy's entering his name every other day now. As one would expect, Alex Grinch is trying to have his guys in there, and he's making a little bit of room. Yeah, all of them, but really. A little bit of processing. All action. of them, but really one and a half are defense. You, you have Michael Jones, the lone guy on offense, really. And he, I wish him well. By the way, yeah, man, he's just had health things. He's yeah, his shoulder, player, and he's from Louisiana, and he tried to battle through the whole he shoulder did. thing. Like, remember the Kansas State game in 2017, where yeah. he had to come back. He popped his sh- twice. Yeah, a few times back into its socket, mm-hmm. and he did the same Tough thing kid. in the Big 12 title game against TCU. Yeah, he did. And Redmond did that against uh, Baylor this yeah, year. Had to he, pop his he did it a couple times back, in the yeah. same game. And so Michael Jones, uh, just looking at things, uh, I don't know, I don't have any inside knowledge on it, but 247 has him uh, crystal ball transfer portal to Tulane, which is in New Orleans. So that makes a lot of sense. That's a good school, too. He's from that region, old SEC. He's from Louisiana. I like Tulane. I wouldn't mind going. Tulane's fun. I wouldn't mind going and seeing that game, really. The boot is a really cool bar at Tulane. Only time I went there, uh, you remember Wee Man from... Yes, from uh, Jackass. Jackass. Uh-huh. He was there, and he was like in the middle of a wrestling ring. Of course he was. In this place, and he was, if you had a $5 bill, he would let you staple the $5 bill to his tongue. Uh, yes. No. This was happening. The boot is crazy. It's a really cool college bar. That's what happens when you're out of money, I guess. It's <laughs> weird. That's exactly yeah, what geez. happens. But like you look at other guys that are in the portal, 
Like I'm scrolling down the page. That that'll tell you how many people are in the portal. Jaquelin Crawford, who was a wide receiver, but then this past year was a DB. They were trying to try, they were trying to get him at as many shots as possible. I thought he would have been a good wide receiver, but he was obviously lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. with all the talent they have there. And then defensively, you're not going to get caught up that quickly. Yeah. With uh, all those other guys ahead of you. Miguel Edwards, Starlin Baldwin, who had injury stuff. Ty Yarman, who, I mean, it's he's not a transfer portal because, or he's actually already went to SMU, transferring to SMU, but... It's, he's not there because he got in trouble during the bowl no, prep. No, that he, did happen, but That still. happened, but he was going to be gone anyways. Jonathan Perkins, Ryan Jones, who was once a safety, then a wide, or once a wide receiver, then a safety, if then a linebacker. If Ryan Jones falls in the good, the right position somewhere, I think he can thrive. Yep. He's a talented kid. He just kind of, when the defensive change happened, it didn't really suit mm-hmm. him, obviously. Troy James is another name. Michael Thompson, who like floated between defensive line, offensive line, back to the... Defensive or what was a defensive line to offensive yeah. line Florida with defensive That's line. That's too again. bad that that didn't work yeah. out. He was he was an exciting prospect, but uh, obviously couldn't find a home. Am, am I correct in thinking that Tyrese Lott is another name that's been mentioned? Well, he he uh, Tyrese Lott he left before the season. That's right. Yeah, and it's just, it's just man, and Tyrese Lott was a guy I, re- I really he was, really yeah. liked. That he could he could have he was super talented that he could have made. Really a difference, but of course these things, you know, man, the the attrition on the defensive line in general. Ron Tate, not that long ago from Punham City, you wish you had him because he would have been fine for Calvin Thibodeau and under Alex Grinch. So it's just like, man, and now we look at all this turnover on the defensive side of the ball. And to me, me seeing all this turnover on the defensive side of the ball, really all these guys portaling out. Grinch was never torn. He is. He was never torn. He's in the middle of processing kids on defense to get his guys in there to really make Oklahoma's defense formidable and a vision for what he wants. So now we talk about JUCO, folks. We talked about that earlier. Oklahoma, because Alfred Collins... He's not trending in OU's way. Uh, looks, it appears that Alfred Collins is trending in Texas's way. Uh, definitely the Matt Rule stuff put the nail in the coffin there for him to Baylor. So it was just between OU and Texas. And Oklahoma still has a couple weeks left to make an impression, but it looks like that's going Texas's way for Alfred Collins. So Oklahoma's going to definitely be in contract with DeAndre Butler from Independence. That's going to be confusing with his last name being Butler, Butler being yeah. at Independence. And Butler being a big-time program as yeah. far as Juco. But how do you feel, how would you feel about three defensive linemen, all Juco's, high, highly rated Juco's? Yeah, he's the number one rated defensive end in being, all of junior college football, plus the number one and two defensive tackles. Granted, he's 280 pounds right now. Yeah. You think he's probably going to play inside at Oklahoma if he ends up at Oklahoma? I, that's a good question. I would, I say yes. At the same time, I mean, I've seen stranger things. Yeah, I, you know, uh, especially with Ronnie Perkins gonna miss the first bit of the there season. There you go. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Uh, that that defensive side of the ball. Uh, gosh, when, when we go to the summer and we were and we're ramping up for Big Twelve Media Days again. It's gonna be a nightmare trying to project the depth chart and what that looks like on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. Offense. It's gonna be fun, but offense. You already know what 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 goes where, pretty much. Oh yeah. Defense. Like besides linebackers, it's gonna be a nightmare projecting who goes where, uh, because of the absence of Ronnie Perkins and then Dillian Turner Yale coming back from injury and Trey Trey Norwood coming back from injury. It's gonna be a nightmare, but it just makes me think of. If OU is able to land uh, DeAndre Butler, three JUCO guys, highly rated JUCO guys, like literally number one and two defensive tackle JUCO, number one defensive end JUCO. But it makes me think of OU basketball last year when they had all those JUCO guys come in and get so much playing time. Like You don't see that happen in college football that often. Yeah, it's obviously not. It's kind of like what Kansas tried to do for a little bit, and yeah. obviously it bit them from a scholarship standpoint. But if you only bring in, you know, three or four in a class, it's really not a big deal. It's not something that's going to fudge up your scholarship numbers. Yeah, and, so it, it's, and it's not like Oklahoma isn't recruiting freshman defensive line yeah, at a fairly high sure. level. So it's not. 
I'm not overly concerned about it. I don't like but it. I, I, it's not ideal, but it's not. It's not really a red flag so much. You'd I love to say. land. You'd love to land high caliber defensive linemen. Of course, that I mean it's high not, school. It's kids. not like they weren't trying to get Alfred of Collins. No, oh, definitely. Mean, and he would obviously be the more ideal fit. You'd rather bring in a highly touted freshman, but because you, I mean, you have you've already got lines. you've already got uh, Perry and Winfrey, so you've already yeah. got sort of the contribute now ch- box check. Yeah. So I mean, you might as well invest in the future but with that not panning out it's not that weird i guess to go for the number one right. juco defensive tackle in the country so and is what it is another thing is that's people are that kind of people overlook is that if it doesn't work out well you know what they're juco and they have probably two about two years left on average so in processing these kids it's not like you have to wait another two to three years you have that extra year after that one year but most likely um, so, I mean, Oklahoma already has young guys in the fold that are blue chippers that are freshmen this year in Marcus Stripling and in um, Hicks and Marcus Hicks. Roberson. Uh, Corey Roberson, who could have played this year and would have been just fine. Uh, Jordan Kelly is a young guy that just had injury stuff. And so they have a lot of guys that you can be excited about, but it's just you didn't see them play. Yeah, and so you can't really know. And so processing kids, I like to see it. I mean, you look at Oklahoma and you look at the way they're trending for their defensive backs and you're going from, you know, five foot nine to six foot one. And like it's really interesting, like looking at Alex Grinch and the stuff he did at Washington State, as far as like what their average defensive backs, you know, height and weight was their first year he got there to like the second or third year what that looked like as far as their height and it went from like five foot nine to six foot one or six foot two. That's what's so happening in Oklahoma. It's very so. yeah, it's very clear what he wants to do and, and where this, this program's headed as far as defensive backs and defensive uh you know guys they're looking at in general. But anyways, so we look at the most recent game for college football, the national title. Tigers versus the Tigers, Clemson and LSU. You saw an elite offense with a decent to good defense. Um, I mean, let's give them credit. They're they're pretty okay. They're not bad. They're not great. When they play up to their potential, they're yeah. great. And they, at times, looked great against Clemson defensively. So I agree. But in general, I think Clemson LSU's defense, they're pretty good. Yeah. They're not, like, excellent. I don't think, but that's what I think keeps them from, in my mind, being in the, the truly convert. Yeah, I, who is it for you? Oh man, two thousand one Miami was that's, pretty good. That's me too. Pretty yeah. damn good. That, uh, that, I, people say ninety five Nebraska, and I'm not going to argue with them because I was six years old when they were playing, so I don't really truly remember it that much or fully appreciate it. But for me, it's oh one Miami, just because I no just had this was. conversation today too. Which is kind of weird, but like you look at that backfield: Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis, the defense Frank, Frank was Gore, just... Jeremy Shockey, um, Kellen Winslow Jr. Like you gotta be kidding me! Just those guys, just those, just those skill guys on offense, and then Ed Reed on defense. Uh, who who else is playing on those teams? It's just incredible. They were stacked. stacked it, it was talent. an NFL roster. Unbelievable. And even, like, Ken Dorsey played in the NFL for a minute. Like, I mean, he only got there because of the he guys He was a system guy, with. but, yeah, I mean, but he was surrounded unbelievable. by But LSU wins. Um, elite offense, pretty good defense. Very elite offense. And it just makes me think, like, makes me look back at the Baker Mayfield era and Kyler Murray and say those were very elite offenses and... Uh, if you were just able to field a pretty good defense or a defense on par with LSU's or, or just maybe what you just saw from Alex Grinch this year, you might have an eighth title. You might even have a ninth title. Because if OU has a decent defense... Um, in 2017, they at least the Rose beat Bowl Georgia. Year, in the Rose Bowl year, they win it all. And they probably beat that Alabama team. Yeah. So they might have... they. I would say they have eight. They might even have nine right now. So that makes me feel some type of way, because literally LSU they're just air raid, and now Joe Brady's with Matt Rule in the Carolina, and you just took 
talent, elite talent, in made it an air raid system. So it's like Texas Tech, but you have four-star, five-star blue chippers everywhere instead of just like maybe a system quarterback, and that's what it looks like. Holy crap, that's impressive. And for people that are like saying Joe Burrow was like an, an a, a very diamond-in-the-rough guy, he's a four-star kid. And in, depending I saw, on the service, but yeah, and I saw I saw somebody I can't remember. Oh, Lane Kiffin said Josh Jacobs was a three star or two star kid today. I saw Josh Jacobs as like a four star and a five star kid, depending on other services too. Josh, he was a three star most for by he was really? a, he was a composite three star. I mean, he was he was not offered by OU until January. Well, he wasn't offered by anybody. Yeah, significant. Anyone, yeah, like, and then Missouri came in, and then Bama came in like a few days later, so and then it was Bama. I take exception to these dumb narratives. It's stupid, but it writes a story. I mean, I don't know. I just the whole OU didn't offer him thing is just factually BS. incorrect. I hate when it's I hear BS. that. It's so dumb. Like I, yeah, it, OU did wait too long yeah. to pull the trigger. Sure. For a guy in their backyard, sure. But you can't just say that they didn't offer him because they did offer him. They offered him before Alabama did. But did they wait too long? Totally. Yeah, of course, totally. in their own backyard, Tulsa Memorial. Yes, you can absolutely accuse them of overlooking him. 100%. But they did offer him. What do you think about OSU? Mike Gundy returning Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and uh, Tyler Wallace. I say that looks like a team that can compete for number two in the Big 12 next year. I think that's a team that Oklahoma... Probably, I'm not as high on them as Robert Allen is, obviously, oh my but God. good grief. There's, there's no way. There's... He's, he, just take everything he says with a grain of salt. And for those that don't know or referencing... He's been doing this for as long as I've been around. I mean, said as, that... He's been doing this for at least 20 years. OSU has to have a couple things go their way. But a couple? They could be playing tonight. Are they going to bring and in... He was referencing the national enough, title game. Are they going to sign like 30 guys on uh, the February signing day and go over the blue chip ratio? What are they doing? It's just like, I I cannot believe... They're going to be that. good. They're going to be really good. I think they'll be pretty good. They're, yeah, their offensive line will be better next year. Spencer Sanders will be better next year. They'll be really good. They could win 10 games next year even. They're still not the best team in Oklahoma. No. They don't have the best Spencer at quarterback in Oklahoma. That's true. Yeah. And Spencer Sanders looks like Mr. Tumnus 100%. He does. He's Ver- really good, though. Verified. I was surprised Shuba came back. Yeah, me too. As a running back, there's not much tread on those tires. And when you when there's a chance to go to the NFL, I feel like you take it. Uh, yeah, that, that seems... Like, like it would have been the right move, but like what what's what are you gonna do now? You're gonna take more tread off your tires this year again. Maybe hopefully be in the Heisman conversation and get drafted. Maybe I mean I know getting drafted around round or two earlier makes a hell of a difference in contract, but man, if you don't have a better season, like why why did you come why'd you come out? You know? So I I, I feel like coming out now would be striking while the iron was hot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, good for OSU, obviously, but... It's just unbelievable to me. But OSU returns three of their guys, and yeah, that's another team that, that should beat Texas. That's another team that is definitely going to be a good team in the Big 12, and OSU's offense will be legitimate again. What do you think about OBJ and LSU handing out all that cash? <laughs> okay, so anyone who you know has heard me talk about this knows I'm very pro-player on this kind of thing. Yeah. I think players should be compensated. They should definitely be compensated for image and likeness by outside sources. And obviously OBJ his his head's in the right place. He's, you know, he's a proud LSU alum. He's trying to uh help out these dudes and whatnot, but why the fuck are you doing it on the field in front of a camera? I'd yeah. be pissed too if I was LSU. And what are you doing? LSU is angry. <laughs> LSU just uh, it freaks out. The and SEC is, like, is angry. Oh God! What are we going to put out for a statement? Fake money! Fake money! Yeah, God! Can you believe it? Oh, it appears to <laughs> it be was actually, monopoly money. They're actually passing out dollar bills. And like Joe Burrow says, "I'm not a student athlete anymore." So, uh, yeah, those are real dollar bills. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh! It's like it's not like this hasn't been happening for years. Of course, in the SEC, but don't do it on the field it's, in it's, front of all the cameras. What are you in doing, front man? Of the cameras. And that's OBJ being OBJ. Of course, yeah. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny too, yeah, but... 
I enjoyed it. I didn't see which players got the bills, though. Were they guys who would potentially come back to LSU? That's the only question I have. Yeah, that is a good question. Because if they're guys who are declaring or have already graduated, then whatever. But if they're guys who are coming back, then they're going to have to, like, the NCAA will probably dig its nose into it and be like, Mm -hmm. hey, you have to pay back the money, and they'll probably make them pay it to charity. I think that's what's happened in the past, and maybe slap them with something. Or since it's the SEC, they'll just say, well, just... We'll just say you're sorry and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, man, that's so good. I I enjoyed that I did 100%. Too. Um, but, man, the close of this podcast, we get a Twitter question from Seth, our very own Seth. I'm very excited. He says, what's the worst you felt after an OU football loss? How old were you? What game was it? And what was your reaction? For the longest time, the answer was Bedlam 2001. Mm. The Rashawn Woods game. One of the Rashawn Woods game. It's yeah. the one where he uh, caught one in the uh, south end zone mm-hmm. to beat OU. When it was 16-13, and uh, OU, I guess, had a shot to maybe go to the BCS championship game at that point. Still had one loss. Nebraska had just lost to Colorado, so the door had sort of opened a little bit, but... That one was brutal because OSU was terrible, and I had to go to school the next week and all that kind of stuff. I lived in Edmond, which is very neutral, mm-hmm. and my class happened to be mostly OSU. So, obviously, I didn't like that. But now it's the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Okay, because of the nature of how it all happened, going up thirty-one fourteen and thinking, "Man, we're killing these guys. We're we're going to win this game, and we're probably going to win a national championship." And then for it to all crater that quickly. And then for OU to stabilize the ship and then look like they might win it again. Yeah, with the... They brought me back in. The fumble return. The fumble return. And then, you know, it was DJ Ward who nearly had a sack on Jake Fromm on fourth down. And Mm -hmm. Fromm got away and converted it for a first down. Uh Uh-huh. God. And then the whole... Forcing Georgia into a field goal in the first overtime, I thought, we've got them. Yep. And we didn't. I, I go through that play in my head, the uh, Jordan Smallwood uh, end-around play. Mm-hmm. I, I replayed that play in my head all the time. That was on third down. Third and fairly short, if I recall correctly. But, man, th- that, I, I've never thought, I can't remember a game with more what-ifs in it. Yeah. Than that Georgia game. And the see, a lot of people focus on the squib kick. I'm not yeah, no. as fixated on that as a lot no. of other people are. But obviously that's one that you could go back to. But that's one of many. I think there's a bigger argument in that game that I had several arguments with my father about after on if the game were if the game the game's to blame was on uh the offense or the defense. It's both. It's it, it's it's a lot of both. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, obviously there was no gap discipline from Kenneth Murray. He was forced to play as a true freshman. Yeah, and Georgia was just slicing and dicing through them. Obviously, there were all the defensive issues. Offense obviously kept its end of the bargain in the first half, but then in the second half, Lincoln Riley got, got a little too cute. Yeah. It was a mixture of cute and conservative. He was just completely thrown for a loop, like. Georgia made defensive adjustments at halftime, and Lincoln had no clue what to do. And it, and it, was, and it, it wasn't it, run the game like you normally have. It, it wasn't. It was nothing close yeah. to that. He was just, woo. So since you took that one, I'm going to go with another obvious one. Before, and it was mine before the Rose Bowl, the Boise State. Yeah. Asian Peterson's back. Yeah. Um, and... Just like everybody, I still remember the quarterback's name, Jared Zabransky. Yeah, yeah, that's a, not a name you should remember from Bo- a Boise State quarterback. But it, just like everybody, I think it's Marcus Walker. He had the pick six. Pick six. Game over. Done. Done. Deal. I was. I was there. I mean, the the OU celebration was, amongst yeah. the OU faithful. It was. We had the Sooner Magic chant going. It yeah. was our little moment. OU was down early, like, what, 17 points, something like that, 21? It was 18 points at one point. And it was like, wow, they finally just turned this around, pick six, this game is done, dead, nail in the coffin, OU's going to 
come back home uh, victorious once again in a big bowl game for Bob, and then hook and ladder, and you're like, okay, there's no way that that really just happened. And then the overtime... Um, the there was Statue like a reverse pass for the touchdown right before the Statue of Liberty play. People yep. don't even remember that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like on fourth down. Man, so frustrating. So that that was that was mine, and and I see, just like, like that shock. was that was a brutal one. But at the same time, I I remember coming away from that one thinking, "Wow, I just witnessed something really impressive on the part of Boise State." Then pulling that out. With all that gadgetry, I was just like, wow. What's his face going and proposing to his cheerleader girlfriend? That was gross. And I was like, dang it, like, this is the worst. And now it, it was bad, but at the same time, it was a non championship BCS bowl. But now it's used, though, like, every single that year. Is, that, that, that is annoying. Obviously, it's who's in every single like, highlight. Who's going to be upset or upset this Saturday for the Bulls? And it's like, Ian Johnson, whatever his name is, going and proposing to his girlfriend. You're like, this. It is annoying. Quit, quit bringing this up. This was a, almost 15 years ago. For me, but, Rose Bowl hurts worse, though. Rose, of course, because higher stakes. And, yeah. Like, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma's son, who was not, you know, you know Oklahoma's own son, and the chosen ones, so to speak, and he did everything he could. And the offense, you know, Lincoln got cute. He took the ball out of Baker's hands. He took the ball out of Baker's hands, kind of puckered up a little bit. Um, and then the defense just like completely getting run shot in the second half, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. And then, like you said, getting sucked back in with Sooner Magic, Stephen Parker you know, scores off a fumble, uh, scoop and score, and you're like, okay, wow, this is that. they're really, they're really going to win this game. They're really going to pull it out. And then just Georgia drives down the field with some lucky plays, fourth down, third down, play action, Jake Fromm. And then that was that. Yeah, makes me sad thinking about it. But yeah, it was interesting. And it wasn't that long ago, Seth. It wasn't that long ago. We've got a very interesting microphone situation here. Yeah, it sounds you, like a fishbowl. You, if you touch the desk here, it makes like an echo sound. It sounds kind of like in Lord of the Rings when uh, the chains and the armor fell through that hole when they were in the mines of Moria. You oh, know what yeah. I'm talking about? And it clanks for like a really long time. And then Gandalf's like, fool of a took. That's what it sounds like. It's true. It sounds like we're in a fishbowl, kind of. That's weird. It's neat. But we can't put our phones on the table, though. We can't. Can't. What are your plans for this weekend? It's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I just had my birthday weekend, so I'm kind of probably going to take it easy. Just going to hang out? Probably going to hang out, yeah. Watch some NFL football? Yeah. Well, I I have to work all day on Sunday. Oh, wow. So I I don't even get to watch the Chiefs. You're going to I think I'm going to... We have a TV at the well, so I'm probably going to get an HD antenna situation because we can pick up CBS with that, so... I'll probably figure it out. I'll be doing the same, man. Um, I'm going to watch some NFL football and then get prepped for the Super Bowl as far as mentally. It, it should be the Chiefs and the Niners. We, I think, I kind of think it's going to be Chiefs-Packers. Just because so? I think Aaron Rodgers is going to step up in that game. More so than Jimmy G. The Niners killed the Packers earlier this year. They though. did, but playoffs, baby. It's true. Playoff experience. It's true. But yeah, that's all I'm looking forward to this week. Um, that's about it for me. Everything else? I'm good, man. I did get a very good birthday present, though. I got a uh, framed, hand-drawn picture of Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium. Hmm. Thank you to my girlfriend for paying for that, by the way. Sounds very nice. cool birthday present. Fantastic. So, shout out there. Fantastic. Well, shout out to Jack's girlfriend. Very much. But... Um, yeah, guys, go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Um, everything is always updating. Like, literally, like, I get notifications that aren't even my own notifications. It's a weird situation with my phone. I sign into, like, one profile once, and all of a sudden, I find out when articles are going where. It's a daily thing. He gets every DM, even though he's not logged into our It's thing. weird. And I we don't get a know, lot of DMs. I don't know what the issue is. but Some weird hey, DMs. I, I'm, I'm here for it, I guess. 
Um, but yeah, guys, there's stuff dropping daily, literally daily. Um, Alan's got one in chorus right now. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's what the DM said earlier. And it's just Seth is always posting things and a lot of other things just going on, dropping podcasts, at least two weekly, uh, good stuff. And if you guys haven't listened to the one with Moses Madu, we made fun of Kale Gundy's eyebrows, and that was fantastic. Um, it was just huge as a good guy to talk to in general. Wish I could have been there. I was taking the week off. Man, he, he, Moses is a good guy, real solid dude. Uh, but. Go ahead and follow Jack at CC Machine or at J Larry Shields. I'm at Camerobby and CCM. Uh, follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism or Seth, you know, at Seth Oliveris. Sorry, Cardick and Austin. I don't know your Twitter ads, but you can find them. You, know, you can find them on the site. So, again, guys, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Give us a five star review. We really appreciate it. And we'll check you guys later.